0: Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan and Casilda Jetha. How we mate, why we stray, and what it means for modern relationships. Epigraph Your children are not your children, they are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. Khalil. Gibran. Preface. A primate meets his match. A note from one of the authors. Nature, Mr. Alnut, is what we are put in this world to rise above. Catherine Hepburn, as Miserose Sayer in The African Queen. One muggy afternoon in 1988, some local men were selling peanuts at the entrance to the botanical garden in Penang, Malaysia. I'd come with my girlfriend, Anna, to walk off a big lunch. Sensing our confusion, the men explained that the peanuts weren't for us, but to feed irresistibly cute baby monkeys like those we hadn't yet noticed rolling around on the grass nearby. We bought a few bags. We soon came to a little guy hanging by his tail right over the path. His oh-so-human eyes focused imploringly on the bag of nuts in Anna's hand. We were standing there cooing like teenage girls in a kitten shop when the underbrush exploded in a sudden simian strike. A full-grown monkey flashed past me, bounced off Anna, and was gone along with the nuts. Anna's hand was bleeding where he'd scratched her. We were stunned, trembling, silent. There'd been no time to scream. After a few minutes, when the adrenaline had finally begun to ebb, my fear curdled into loathing. I felt betrayed in a way I'd never had before. Along with our nuts went precious assumptions about the purity of nature, of evil as a uniquely human affliction. A line had been crossed. I wasn't just angry. I was philosophically offended. I felt something changing inside me. My chest seemed to swell, my shoulders to broaden, my arms felt stronger. My eyesight sharpened. I felt like Popeye after a can of spinach. I glared into the underbrush like the heavyweight primate I now knew myself to be. I'd take no more abuse from these lightweights. I'd been traveling in Asia long enough to know that monkeys there are nothing like their trombone playing, tambourine-banging cousins I'd seen on TV as a kid. Free-living Asian primates possess a characteristic I found shocking and confusing the first time I saw it, self-respect. If you make the mistake of holding the gaze of a street monkey in India, Nepal, or Malaysia, you will find yourself facing a belligerently intelligent creature whose expression says with a Robert De Niro-like scowl, What the hell are you looking at? You want a piece of me? Forget about putting one of these guys in a little red vest. It wasn't long before we came to another imploring furry faced hanging upside down from a tree in the middle of a clearing. Anna was ready to forgive and forget, though I was fully hardened against cuteness of any kind. I agreed to give her the remaining bag of nuts. We seemed safely distant from underbrush from which an ambush could be launched. But as I pulled the bag out of my sweat-soaked pocket, its cellophane rustle must have wrung through the jungle like a clanging dinner bell. In a heartbeat, a large, arrogant-looking brute appeared at the edge of the clearing about twenty yards away. He gazed at us, considering the situation, sizing me up. His exaggerated yawn seemed calculated to dismiss and threaten me simultaneously. A long, slow display of his fangs, Determined to fill any power vacuum without delay, I picked up a small branch and tossed it casually in his direction, making the point that these nuts were definitely not for him and that I was not to be trifled with. He watched the branch land a few feet in front of him, not moving a muscle. Then his forehand briefly crinkled in eerily emotional thought, as if I had hurt his feelings. He looked up at me straight into my eyes his expression held no hint of fear respect or humor as if shot from a cannon he leapt over the branch i'd tossed long yellow dagger fangs bared shrieking charging straight at me caught between the attacking beast and my terrified girlfriend i understood for the first time what it would really mean to have A monkey on your back. I felt something snap in my mind. I lost it. In movement quicker than thought, my arms flew open, my legs flexed like a wrestler's crouch, and my own coffee-stained orthodontia corrected teeth were bared with a wild shriek. I was helplessly launched into a hopping mad, saliva-spraying dominus display of my own. I was as surprised as he was. He pulled up and stared at me for a second, or two, before slowly backing away. This time, though, I'm pretty sure I saw a hint of laughter in his eyes. Above nature, not a chance. Take it from Mr. Allnut. INTRODUCTION Another well-intentioned inquisition. Forget what you've heard about human beings having descended from apes. We didn't descend from apes. We are apes. Metaphorically and factually, Homo sapiens is one of the five surviving species of great apes, along with the chimpanzees, bonobos, gorillas, and orangutans. Gibbons are considered a lesser ape. We shared a common ancestor with two of these apes, Bonobos and chimps just five million years ago. That's the day before yesterday in evolutionary terms. The fine print distinguishing humans from the great apes is regarded as wholly artificial by most primatologists these days. If we're above nature, it's only in the sense that a shaky legged surfer is above the ocean. Even if we never slip, and we all do, our inner nature can pull us under at any moment. Those of us raised in the West have been assured that we humans are special, unique among living things above and beyond the world around us, exempt from the humilities and humiliations that pervade and define animal life. The natural world lies below and beneath us, a cause for shame, Disgust or alarm something smelly and messy to be hidden behind closed doors drawn curtains and minty freshness or We compensate and imagine nature floating angelically in soft focus up above innocent noble balanced and wise Like bonobos and chimps we are the randy descendants of hypersexual ancestors at first blush This may seem an overstatement, but it's a truth that should have become common knowledge long ago. Conventional notions of monogamous till death do us part marriage strain under the dead weight of a false narrative that insists we are something else. What is the essence of human sexuality and how did it get to be that way? In the following pages, we'll explain how seismic cultural shifts that began about 10,000 years ago, rendered the true story of human sexuality so subversive and threatening that for centuries it has been silenced by religious authorities, pathologized by physicians, studiously ignored by scientists, and covered up by moralizing therapists. Deep conflicts rage at the heart of modern sexuality. Our cultivated ignorance is devastating the campaign to obscure the true nature of our species' is sexuality leaves half our marriages collapsing under an unstoppable tide of swirling sexual frustration, libido-killing boredom, impulsive betrayal, dysfunction, confusion, and shame. Serial monogamy stretches before and behind many of us like an archipelago of failure. Isolated, islands of transitory happiness in a cold, dark sea of disappointment. And how many of the couples who manage to stay together for the long haul have done so by resigning themselves to sacrificing their eroticism on the altar of three of life's irreplaceable joys, family stability, companionship, and emotional, if not sexual, intimacy? Are those who innocently aspire to these joys Cursed by nature to preside over the slow strangulation of their partner's libido. The Spanish word esposas means both wives and handcuffs. In English, some men ruefully joke about the ball and chain. There is a good reason marriage is often depicted and mourned as the beginning of the end of a man's sexual life and women fare no better. Who wants to share her life with a man who feels trapped and diminished by his love for her, whose honor marks the limits of his freedom? Who wants to spend her life apologizing for being just one woman? Yes, something is seriously wrong. The American Medical Association reports that some 42% of women suffer from sexual dysfunction while viagra breaks sales records year after year worldwide pornography is reported to rake in anywhere from 57 billion to 100 billion dollars annually in the united states it generates more revenue than cbs nbc and abc combined and more than all professional football baseball and basketball franchises according to u.s news and world report Americans spend more money at strip clubs than at Broadway, off-Broadway, regional and non-profit theaters. The opera, the ballet, and jazz classical music performances combined. There's no denying that we're a species with a both a sweet tooth for sex. Meanwhile, so-called traditional marriage appears to be under assault from all sides, as it collapses from within. Even the most ardent defenders of normal sexuality buckle under its weight, as never-ending bipartisan perp walks of politicians, Clinton, Vitter, Gingrich, Craig, Foley, Spitzer, Sanford, and religious figures, Haggard, Swaggart, Baker, trumpet their support of family values before slinking off to private ass assignations with lovers, prostitutes, and interns. Denial hasn't worked. Hundreds of Catholic priests have confessed to thousands of sex crimes against children in the past few decades alone. In 2008, the Catholic Church paid $436 million in compensation for sexual abuse. More than a fifth of the victims were under 10 years old. This we know. Dare we even imagine the suffering such crimes have caused in the 17th centuries, since a sexual life was perversely forbidden to priests in the earliest known papal decree, the Decreta and cumin unum of Pope Ciriius, circa 385. What is the moral debt death, rather, owed to the forgotten victims of this misguided rejection of basic human sexuality? On threat of torture in, 19, in 1633, the Inquisition of the Roman Catholic Church forced Galileo to state publicly what he knew to be false, that the earth sat immobile at the center of the universe. Three and a half centuries later, in 1992, Pope John Paul, II admitted that the scientists had been right all along, but that the Inquisition had been, quote, well-intentioned, unquote. While there's no inquisition. Like a well-intentioned inquisition. Like those childishly intransigent visions of an entire universe spinning around an all-important earth, the standard narrative of prehistory offers an immediate primitive sort of comfort. Just as Pope after Pope dismissed any cosmology that removed humankind from the exalted center of the endless expanse of space, just as Darwin was, and some crowds still is, ridiculed for recognizing that human beings are the creation of natural laws. Many scientists are blinded by their emotional resistance to any account of human sexual evolution that doesn't revolve around the monogamous nuclear family unit. Although we are led to believe we live in times of sexual liberation, contemporary human sexuality throbs with obvious, painful truths that must not be spoken aloud. The conflict between what we are told we feel and what we really feel may be the richest source of confusion dissatisfaction and unnecessary suffering of our time the answers normally proffered don't answer the questions at the heart of our erotic lives why are men and women so different in our desires fantasies responses and sexual behavior why are we betraying and divorcing each other at ever-increasing rates when not opting out of marriage entirely why the pandemic spread of single parent families why does the passion evaporate from so many marriages so quickly? What causes the death of desire? Having evolved together right here on Earth, why do so many men and women resonate with the idea that we may as well be from different planets? Oriented toward medicine and business, American society has responded to this ongoing crisis by developing a marital industrial complex of couples therapy Pharmaceutical hard-ons, sex advice columnists, creepy father-daughter purity cults, and an endless stream of inbox commands, quote, unleash your love monster, she'll thank you, Unquote. Every month, truckloads of glossy supermarket magazines offer the same old tricks to get the spark back into our moribund sex lives.